Welcome to the Fueling the Future podcast, where we get to the bottom of issues, trends, and developments in future fuels, vehicles, and transport energy. I'm your host, Tammy Klein. I'm founder and CEO of Transport Energy Strategies, and I'm super pleased to have with me today, Larissa Parada. Larissa, welcome to the program. Good morning, welcome. (laughs) So let me tell you a little bit about Larissa. Larissa is the technology team manager for the biotechnology group at Axens, uh, which is based in France. Larissa started her career uh, at Axens in 2010 as a process engineer, where she participated in various refining and petrochemical projects. During this period, she was also deeply involved in the cellulosic ethanol technology uh, developments and participated in pilot plant operation and full-scale industrial unit design. In 2014, she joined the dedicated technology group created by Accents to promote its technological solutions, of which it has many portfolios, uh, for the production of alternative fuels and intermediates, where she is now entirely dedicated to cellulosic ethanol and hydrogenation of renewable lipids technologies proposals, which is what we're going to talk about today. She holds a chemical engineering degree from Universidade Federal do Paraná and a master's in chemical engineering and refining from the IFP school. Larissa, it's great to have you with us today. My Portuguese pronunciation probably needs a little help. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) a little rusty. So first of all, for the listeners and the watchers um, who may not be familiar, can you talk a little bit more about what Accents does and your role within Accents, particularly in the alternative fuels uh, technology developments? Yes, sure. Uh, so Accents is a worldwide group that provides solutions in many areas. Uh, we started historically with refining, uh, so oil and gas industry and also petrochemistry. Uh, we also have solutions in the, in the field of water treatment and specifically and most recently, I would say, well, even if it's recently, uh, it, it, it starts to date uh, right now. Um, in the alternative and renewable technologies and the whole field. So our offer includes technologies specifically, um, but also equipment, modular units, furnaces, um, catalysts and adsorbents that are used on those technologies and also related services like consulting, training, technical assistance. Um, uh, Myself particularly, uh, I work in the process licensing division of Accent. Uh, and uh, in the Renewable uh, Technologies Group. So I'm in charge of the technology group related to all the bio-based technologies that we have within Accents, dedicated to the production of biofuels and also bio-based chemical intermediates. So can you talk to us specifically about the uh, vegan uh, technology that Accents has developed? How was it developed um, and what are the current projects um, that have selected vegan technology, particularly for sustainable aviation fuel production? What was the, the draw uh, for, for customers? Yes, yeah, sure. So vegan is one of the technologies of our portfolio. We have several other technologies, some also uh, related to the production of needle distillate. 
but vegan specifically is dedicated to the hydro treatment of lipids to produce middle displays. So we're talking here about HBO and also aviation fuel, so SAS. Um, so the story of vegan is quite is quite curious, actually. It's the merge of two biggest experiences that we had in Exxon. On one side, uh, we started pioneering, actually, in the, in the lipids, in the field of lipids uh, in the 80s uh, with transesterification technology. So we put into the market at the time uh, the SR5 technology, the standard transesterification that we still see today uh, in the market. And also astrophyte age technology, age aiming for heterogeneous, even mm -hmm. if homogeneous is also starting with age, right? <laughs> um, and this technology was um, basically one of the milestones for vegan because it was the first time we were putting together lipids on a fixed bed uh, catalyst, uh, catalytic uh, reactor, basically. Uh, that means it was the first time we started seeing what could happen and what would the surprises of putting those two together uh, be. Uh, so we took that experience um, and we saw that market were, was evolving uh, towards HBO uh, instead of, um, uh, let's say, instead of just keeping on, on transesterification technologies, we saw this market push and this need, this interest of having HBO, which could be uh, basically. Um, uh, promoted broadly uh, into diesel pools more than the 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 the, the ester technologies, right? Uh, and so, with this need and the experience of really the hydro treatment that we have from the refining industry, we decided to put them together, and this is how Vegan was born. Um, so, Vegan is really um, a technology that consists of two main main steps: hydro treating, uh, removing the oxygen of those lipids of vegetable oils, used cooking oil, animal fat, salt oil. So all those kind of liquids, we have a first step where we remove the oxygen, we get access to paraffins. And then those paraffins, they just need to be corrected in terms of coastal properties. This is a second reac reaction step that we have in vegan um, and really allows to uh, target, let's say, any kind of coastal properties between summer diesel and jet fuel. And this is really typical, uh, typical of vegan to have uh, the flexibility to choose one product or the other, anything in between. If you want to produce in ratios, it's possible. Uh, so co-production of products, but you can also do 100% one or the other or anything in between. And this is a nice flexibility. And in my opinion, you asked me about uh, the, the biggest attraction for customers um, uh, on regarding vegan. It was that the flexibility of, ha of having this access to SAS quite easily. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a nice to have, it's a cherry on top of the cake, let's say, for any HBO project. And this is really what we see on the projects that we have today. Um, most of them are today really driven, um, let's say, for the first years of operation, driven towards HBO, getting diesel, supplying diesel market. But as you have this flexibility within Vegan, um, I would say that more than two-thirds of the projects that we have today, they really have this specific design case saying, okay, uh, I'm not doing that immediately today, but I really want to have this operating case already foreseen. Um, and then it's, it's something, uh, well, it's, it's the flexibility that is there and the choice of the, 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 
the operator then ready to switch and to adapt to the market with those two products, basically. Yeah, that isn't uh, Total uh, Lamid, for example, uh, for example, a, a good example of this case where for the last, uh, I don't know, a couple of years, they are producing uh, HBO. Um, but um, of course, there was a, an announcement recently that they are going to begin or they've already begun producing uh, SAF. I mean, they're a perfect example of what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Some other projects also that we've, um, well, there, there has been some press releases for, for the latest, uh, latest references that we have as well, uh, including, for instance, Repsol and PKN. Uh, and those, uh, oh, those units also have the, the, the flexibility to go to debt. Uh, and it's really uh, a matter of being ready for when, uh, when the market's asking for it, right? So that's the question that I want to ask you um, is, you know, in your view, you know, what do you see, you know, driving customers towards um, SAF production? Is it what we, we potentially could see as future policies, you know, in some of the member states and also, you know, at the, at, at the EU level? Um, is, is that what's, uh, you know, sort of driving all of this, um, in your view and how do you see the, the SAF, uh, market, um, evolving? I mean, in, in, in Europe, especially, but maybe also globally in the next 10 years, uh, what kind of volumes do you think we could be, could be seeing here, um, from your perspective? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, as you just said, for sure, the, big push, uh, the biggest push here is that uh, decarbonization is a must today. Uh, I think it's, it's really interesting to see how this, um, this has been said uh, for many years and has been discussed widely on the, on the latest 10 years. Um, but really, um, inside Accents, inside the technology group of Accents, uh, we've noticed that this, the COVID situation was also um, some sort of big click, you know. It was really, uh, people started um, broadly investigating and asking about how to get uh, green and how to get to, to something, well, decarbonized very quickly so it was yeah. it was a strange year in terms yeah, of COVID you wouldn't have thought that right because you would have yeah. thought with all the, the 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 both the pandemic and the economic fallout you would have thought it would be the opposite but i see the same thing there is a total yeah. um uh, revolution evolution and, and interest in you know decarbonizing as quickly as possible exactly i think it was a time where everybody took a step back and said, okay, something's going on. Let's, let's rethink the future. And decarbonization got uh, a very big uh, share of it and, and, and gained a lot in importance. Um, and so, yeah, this is a must. Um, SAF is a dropping immediate solution, uh, something that can be applied quite quickly. And I think this is the biggest push here, especially talking for the next 10 years. Um, I'm pretty sure that uh, SAF is a solution that is there. Uh, it's, let's say, the easy way uh, to start fulfilling these requirements, probably, uh, and we, we can discuss about that, but probably we'll go beyond that. We'll go for other feedstocks in the future and other technologies as well, uh, but it's a perfect way to start. Um, and so I think this is, this is, this is the biggest push here for, for SAF uh, and for technologies like Sagan, basically. Um, 
we talked about 2020. So we had a break in, acti- in aviation activity in 2020 due mm-hmm. to COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, activity was, was nearly divided by two. Um, but things, things will probably resume quite quickly. Uh, and from the bottom line that we are today, uh, there are some, uh, there are many, um, um, many, many different um, projections that foresee that basically the number of kilometers flighted in 2030, so in 30, in, in, sorry, in 10 years from now, uh, will be multiplied by 2.5, right? So we could reach, we're talking about 12, uh, 12, 15 trillion kilometers that will be there and will need to be flighted. Uh, and so basically, uh, of course, today we're talking about biojet markets. Um, we're not going to be 100% SAF uh, until 2030. We must remain realistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, really, if we if we consider that 5 to 10% of that is already fulfilled by SAF by 2030, it's a big number. Uh, consider that we start really uh, from low volumes today. So we're talking about 10 to 30 million tons per year of SAS in 2030. And this is a lot of capacity. Do you see um, a lot of the, the, the refineries in Europe sort of, um, you know, sort of recognizing this, recognizing the, the, the market potential? Um, and, you know, do you see more refinery conversions um, in the future uh, or the potential for it, you know, such as what Lamid has done, you know, and what the other refiners that you've, you've mentioned, Repsol and others have done. Do you see more and more uh, refiners and refineries going in this direction, um, you know, Im- implementing these kinds of technologies specifically to produce more you know, bio-based products, including um, SAF, or especially SAF? Yes, definitely. Um, oh, it's uh, starting from the big picture, uh, we see we see many cases of uh, refineries being converted into biorefineries, uh, not only for these hydro-treatment, which is a kind of easy revamp, let's say, we keep most of the, the units and we go, we go for, for a different feed and we adapt the unit. Um, but even at large, right, we have uh, on the cellulosic ethanol field, uh, our first reference also concerns the conversion of refinery into a biorefinery, even that if there are different equipment and different, uh, completely different technologies than used in the refining. So definitely this is a trend. Um, I would say that nearly half of the new projects that we have concerned today revamp uh, when we talk about vegan. Uh, so many refineries, many uh, many units getting adapted to be able to treat bio-based feedstock. Um, co-processing or 100%. We have a little bit everything in, the, in, in between the projects, but this is definitely a trend. And it's an easy way to, to, to start doing the big step of getting fully converted, right? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I think there's much more, you know, you see the, the press releases, but of course, not not everyone's going to put out the press release. <laughs> and, um, you know, not all of these projects are public, but I think there is much, much more going on in Europe um, and, and really probably globally, but especially in Europe than we may see <laughs> um, in, yeah. in, the, in the public domain in terms of this, this trend yeah, beginning to 
to take place. And it's, it's really, really interesting um, to yeah, well, sort of see. This, yeah, definitely. These projects are quite strategic for sure. Uh, and so it's, it's, uh, it's pretty funny. Um, it always remains confidential, even internally, and we keep it really seriously. And at sure. some point we were discussing on new projects that were coming and we wouldn't mention the name of the client, right? And so we had confidential one, two, and three. And we <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, those announces will come to the to the press for sure uh, when things get really uh, consolidated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot there's a lot of studies going on right now and and, and things being analyzed. Yeah, that's amazing. So mm-hmm. you you mentioned a bit about about feedstocks, and I think that is, I mean, not I don't I don't see this as as a as so much of an issue on the cellulose side per se, but on the HVO SAF side, um, you know, I, there, there are questions. So, you know, what is your view about, um, you know, potential feedstocks for SAF production, especially over the next 10 to 15 years and, and especially in Europe, do you think that there's enough out there um, in your view, um, to support the the projects uh, that are coming. Yeah, that's a very good question. Actually, um, basically, um, as of today, for sure, um, what comes to our eyes is that there's a big need for organization. Um, projects have started. Uh, everybody's trying to consider the the the, the more waste like feeds. For sure, uh, going in really to the to the uh, to the best uh, greenhouse gases balance that we may have, and everybody is going basically for the same feeds. Um, so, if there is no organization in place, if there is no um, improved way of collecting those waste, for instance, for high use cooking oil or things like that, uh, then for sure this will be quite quickly saturated. Um, and I think everybody started to, to understanding that. I, I don't know if you've noticed, but there are so many uh, announcements of uh, giant ventures or acquisitions between yes. operators and feedstock suppliers, waste feedstock suppliers. So people are starting to put in place uh, sustainable ways of getting access to the feed. Because for sure, uh, getting it all imported uh, from other areas into Europe and say this is a uh, this is a waste feedstock, uh, it will be okay for now, but not for the coming years. Yeah. So yeah, organization for me is really the word for that. And then of course, um, I really think that um, we have a wave of HVO and SAF today uh, with those technologies. Uh, but at some point, we'll start uh, to to be ready. Uh, I would say technically. Uh, psychologically and mm-hmm. economically to go for the other ones, right? To go right. for uh, basically um, cellulosic feedstocks okay. and fisher crops technologies and things like this yeah. uh, in order to really still uh, fulfill the SAF needs. Yeah, yeah. So in other words, for, for the cellulosic, uh, there would be more commercialization, let's say, of the alcohol to jet pathway for for example um, and and others that have already been kind of approved by uh, by ASTM and others that's what you're saying is that it, it the, the scope will widen beyond HEFA so to speak 
Yeah, exactly. I, I think that alcohol to jazz is a, is a, is a big trend right now. Uh, we're having lots of new discussions on that as well. Um, and some other technology that we also have is the biofuel technology. So gasification of biomass and then getting access to middle distillates uh, uh, through fissure troughs. Uh, this is something that, of course, um, for, immediate, uh, for an immediate conversion uh, regarding a refiner, uh, it's a bigger step than going for vegan. But definitely see the trend where people are starting to say, okay, uh, now, uh, now that I've done, for instance, um, vegan, what's next? And they start also looking uh, at those two uh, pathways. So alcohol to jet and the, the what we call the synthetic, um, synthetic fissure troughs, um, SAS. Yeah. What I see is, um, you know, for those two, two pathways, alcohol to jet and gasification. Yeah. HEPA will, will, will come first, but then I, I see really in the next few years, you know, which I can't believe will already be the middle of this decade, (laughs) um, (laughs) um, you know, and and sort of like the middle of the middle to the end of the decade, I think we're really going to see a rise of uh, you know the rise of of, of technologies like gasification, um, and um, and like what you're describing with the with the alcohol to jet. I really think we'll, we're going to see those really scale up. And and for gasification, there's it's such a it's a flexible technology or or, or a, a technology that also I think is flexible in terms of the, the feedstocks that can be used and the types of fuels that can be produced. And I think it, I think the fuels of the future will be, or the technology of, of the future, and you're seeing this with vegan and with other technologies, is there, that flexibility is the name of the game. Yeah, um, In terms of the feedstocks that can be used, in terms of the fuel products that can be produced, and uh, and I think that that's what's going to be you know the the attractive value proposition for these products and if you and and for the fuels and if they and and of course producing a low carbon intensity product on top of that and if you don't have those features I think it will be very difficult to increasingly compete in the marketplace in in Europe but also uh, in North America, in, in Canada and the U.S. Um, and I, I would even say even Brazil with its, with its Renovo Bio program, they're going in the same direction. So uh, the Brazilians are. So I think those, those features are, are the name of the game. And I think gasification really ticks that, those boxes really nicely. The CapEx may be a little, you know, it's getting there, <laughs> but I think that will get figured out. I really do. Um, in, in the next, uh, sometime within this decade, I, I would say, um, if not before. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's interesting because if we talk about, if we put on one side gasification and on the other side, alcohol to jet, um, yeah, you mentioned uh, CAPEX and, and, and we're getting there. And we see every day with Biosifuel that things are evolving and, 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 and all the operations and all the data that we gather, we're going on the, on the, night, on the, on, on the right direction on that. Uh, and alcohol to jet on the other side, uh, what is really interesting is that um, basically it's composed of technologies we've known already and we've been using uh, in the refining industry. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's a matter of not, uh, let's say, proving the technology pathway like we could do with uh, with salosic ethanol and gasification and HEPA and everything. It's more a matter of, well, let's look at differently. Uh, we're targeting now something different that we used to see in the refining, but we have all the bricks. So let's just put it together and 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 understand and understand and start producing um, what the market really wants and processing what the market wants as well. So, uh, yeah, there are two parallels here between something that is brand new and something that is being just modified and adapted uh, to fulfill the same needs. And, and this is this, this goes directly together, right? So, all right, uh, that's the show. Thanks for listening. I want to thank Larissa so much for being on the show today. It was great to talk to you about uh, the Axon's technologies, especially um, vegan, um, and to see the you know the, the progress and what's what's happening um, out there, even in the midst of a pandemic and an economic downturn. Off you guys uh, go. Um, So if you're looking for more uh, information and analysis on future fuels, vehicles, and transport energy issues, head to my website, transportenergystrategies.com. You can sign up for my free biweekly newsletter uh, to get the the latest and the greatest and to get uh, access to these podcasts. You can also find this podcast on iTunes, Um, and other platforms such as Spotify um, and uh, rate this podcast to to keep it visible uh, and to help uh, benefit uh, others. Thanks again. 